Hey, what a joy to open the word together. As we look into this this passage in Acts, I'm sure you've been walking through Acts. I know that you're walking through this this narrative that points to Jesus' work that continues. And we love to see how the Holy Spirit is working at saving people. And so you guys have walked through Acts chapter 2 and you've seen all that God has done in Acts chapter 2 about saving people and in, in, in bringing this new community of believers and Jesus' followers into a new relationship with him. And so we take up this story in Acts chapter 3. But I, I wanted to ask you this morning, has anyone ever seen someone begging on the street? I think everyone has seen that. It might be at Flinders Street Station or the local shops. Need is real, right? This week we had a few days on the Gold Coast. It was really lovely. It was warm. It was down by the beach. But as we were walking down, we saw this like little truck thingy. And we thought it was, it actually looked like a Mexican taco stand, but it had like, like lots of, um, like Chinese stuff kind of hanging off. It was red. We went, oh, it must be like Chinese food in the night. Like portable. That's perfect. But we walked past later in the evening and there was a guy there. And we realized that he had his life's belongings around him. This was a homeless guy who lived in this like little trucky thing. He just had like a bit of a tarp and just, He would lay down there. And as I walked past, it just broke my heart. Because I read, he had this little sign that said, Oh Lord, help me to keep holding on. So if you had the opportunity, so if you had big resources, you were really rich, what would you give to someone who had real need? So this guy had real need. I don't know his story. Why the circumstances, the decisions that led him to be on the street. But if you had all the resources available to you, what would you give to someone with real need? Would you give a million dollars or would you give the gospel? Now, this guy really needs a million bucks. What could he do with a million bucks? He could get out of poverty. He could get a place to live, get a great meal. He could travel. He could even help others. He could he could do a, a whole campaign to help homeless people in that community. But even a million dollars doesn't solve anyone's real and deepest need. He would be a dead millionaire. So today and in following weeks, as we walk through these portions in Acts, we're going to see how God, by his spirit, uses physical healing to point to an eternal hope. An eternal relationship with God that is entered into by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to walk through this passage in in just three really easy steps. I'm going to jump through here. We're going to talk about need. Then we're going to talk about grace. And then we're going to talk about joyful testimony. So let's start with need. So here in Acts 3, 1 to 5, might be a little bit little on the screen. We've just read it. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. So this passage links into three religious rhythms of the Jewish people. Torah, the word, worship, and showing kindness. They were kind of three rhythms of the Jewish people as they dedicated to studying the word. They dedicated to worship God and present sacrifices in the temple. 
but also they had a real tenant of giving alms, showing kindness. And so this guy was near the temple gate asking for money. He, he was holding out his hand saying, honor God by giving me something. I need help. We find out later in Acts chapter 3 and 4 that this guy had been there for 40 years. He was over 40 years old. This guy had no opportunities. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move himself. He was dependent on others. He couldn't work productively, so he couldn't get money. And so he was placed at the temple gate because worshippers were much better givers than people at the marketplace. Because they were kind of like in this idea, I'm going up to worship God at the temple. This is kind of part of my worship rhythm. I'll give. So he's probably in a prime spot for this. But he's holding out his hand, expecting to get money. But as we look at this passage, and I just want to set it in its scene, we can't isolate it from the biblical narrative. We must locate it in its context. We're in Acts, and God is using his apostles, filled by the Spirit, to extend the gospel into these Jewish and then Gentile communities. Here we see the events preceding Peter's second sermon. So what we'll see in this passage today from Acts 3, 1 to 10 or 11, we'll see the wonder, the miracle, what God does to change this guy's life. But what you're going to study in following weeks is the word. So Peter opens the word and points to Jesus. So these two things are connected. The act or the action today and then the word in the pointing to Jesus that comes after this. So this miracle led to a Christ-centered sermon preached by Peter in front of all of these people around. And as we approach this passage, I had some questions. And I think they might be helpful for you guys as well to think through these questions as we explore the Word of God. I was thinking about, what do you have to offer others? So if you find people with needs, what do you have to offer them? What's more important, physical needs or spiritual needs? Believers of Christ have wrestled with these questions for centuries. Do we help people that have real needs? Or do we share the gospel? Or do we do both? And in what proportions? I think this passage starts to speak to that a little. How do we minister into a society that has it all? I've been talking about that with some people this week. How do miraculous signs link in with the gospel? Oh, it's a bit interesting. What is the, eff- the effect of a transformed life on the community around it? And what's the big picture that's going on here? How did this event impact the spread of the gospel that we see in Acts? So I'd like you to have those questions kind of in your mind as we explore this. Some of them I'm going to touch on directly. Some of them you might have to kind of connect the dots. And, and I'd love you just to kind of go deep and that God would speak to us through his word this morning. So this guy had been lame since he was born. He is sitting there, someone's brought him there, but his life was filled with difficulty. It was filled with suffering, and we can assume deep poverty. He can't walk, he can't be productive, he has real need. And as with every day, he's looking for his daily bread. Literally, some bread, some money, He needs to be sustained by others. 
But this day, this guy, this lame beggar, is going to be surprised by God at work. And so he's woken up, someone's brought him along to the gate, and he's thinking, today, I hope I get some money. I hope I can make ends meet just to get through this day and get to tomorrow. Money will allow him to eat. Money might, might, might mean he could pay someone to do something for him, to move him around. He might even have to pay the people to get him to the toilet, to a different place, back to where he might have some shelter. Money means life for a lame beggar. So he's holding out his hand expecting money. But what is this guy's real need? What is our real need? Do we just need that little bit more? Or is there something else? Because God is about to give this guy something that money cannot buy. You can buy a telly. You can buy private health insurance. You can buy travel. But God is about to give this guy something that money cannot buy. But when you look at your life today, what is your need? What's your apparent need? What, what's that superficial need? Are you holding out your hand to others or to God looking for money? I need just a little bit more. Sympathy. Oh, poor me. Comfort. Time. Attention. Or maybe for some, it is another meal. But we spend much of our time looking for what we think we need. Money, comfort, a, a better job, success, security. Maybe our financial, emotional, physical security. Entertainment, fulfillment. What is going to make me happy? We need to stop this morning and ask ourselves, what is our real need? What is your real need? And I would argue this morning that needs are an opportunity for Jesus to bring hope through the gospel. Because the world around us is crying out with needs. I need peace. I need help. I need attention. I need to be satisfied. But many people... look around and find temporary solutions. I need peace. Take some antidepressants. I need help. I'll just call someone. I need attention. I'm going to put my whole life on social networks. I need to be satisfied. I need more food. I need more sex. I need more entertainment. But these needs that our heart's crying out that aren't satisfied with all the world can give us. But these needs are an opportunity for Jesus to bring hope through the gospel. These needs are an opportunity for Jesus to bring hope through the gospel. But I'm really conscious that here this morning, we're a church that has real needs. What is your real need this morning? How are you trying to fulfill it? And today I want to point you to the real source of hope, peace, help, attention, satisfaction, and real life. I want to point you towards Jesus. And Peter and John encounter this guy. They're walking up there at the time of prayer. There was four times of prayer for the Jewish people that go up to the temple. It was about three in the afternoon. Might have been hot, kind of walking by. This guy goes, help! So they stop. They hear him calling out. He said, give me some money. Help a brother out. 
And so they stopped. It said, verse 4, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Have I got your attention yet? Look at us. We want an encounter here. But pay attention to what happens next. They don't meet his requested need. They don't get five shekels out. They don't give him a denario, a dollar, not even a peso. They give him grace. Verse 6 says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So Peter isn't a millionaire by human standards. He used to have some fishing boats, little fishing business, but now he lives by faith. You and I probably don't have silver or gold either. Ten interest rates of interest rate rises have kind of taken care of that, haven't they? But what Peter has received by grace, what he does have, this is what Peter offers and gives to this lame beggar. So do you remember Peter? Here's Peter and John. You guys have met them, right? The biblical narrative. He was the top disciple. He thought he had it all. He was like... First to go, yeah, Jesus, if it's you, call me out onto the water. I want to do what you do. He was the most enthusiastic, most spontaneous, but also the guy that made the biggest stuff-ups, made the biggest errors. And the guy that said, I will never, never deny you, Lord. And then here's the rooster crow. I just denied my Lord. And wept bitterly about his failure. And this top disciple had fallen to the deepest depths. But Jesus, his Lord, had saved him and restored him. Check out John 21 and you see how Jesus restores Peter. Not saying, I'll forgive you, but sit in the corner. He says, hey, come and feed my sheep. He restores him into relationship with Jesus and he restores him into fruitful work for the gospel. And now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is preaching about his saviour. Jesus, his Lord, had saved him and restored him by grace alone. He didn't deserve forgiveness. He just betrayed his Lord. But he was changed by grace and commissioned to do this work of feeding sheep, to continue the disciple-making work of Jesus. And Peter had received and experienced God's work and power in his life, and that changed him forever. So what is it that Peter had? If he didn't have money, silver, gold, what did he have? He had God-given life and power. He had the Holy Spirit of God living in him and working through him to show the inbreaking of God's kingdom. It was Christ in him that he had to give. And so, verse 6 that we're studying, he says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, I've got that like underlined in my Bible in English. And I just wanted to share with you what I was studying about this whole idea of name. The idea of name does not just identify or distinguish a person. I'm Phil. There's Josh. But it expresses the very nature of his being. Hence, the power of the person is present and available in the name of the person. Peter, therefore, does not just 
asked the risen Jesus to heal, but pronounces over the crippled beggar the name of Jesus, thereby releasing the power of Jesus. And the power of the risen Jesus, coupled with the man's response of faith, affects the healing. Jesus continues to do his work today. Jesus continues to do his work in Acts, through the history of the church, and in 2023, around the world. We serve, we we celebrated Jesus' death on the cross to save us from sin and eternal death. But our salvation consists of a risen saviour, a saviour who was on the third day raised up again and lives today and reigns eternally. We serve a risen saviour so the Apostle Peter can say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And you and I worship, serve, and have that same Jesus of Nazareth living in us and his power, his power is available to us as well. Our Jesus is powerful to heal, to change lives, and to eternally save people today. So what do you have to offer others? Do you have charity to give to people who are holding out their hands with real needs? A few extra dollars here and there? Maybe a meal? That is good. Or do you hold out the gospel of truth that transforms lives in Jesus Christ? We have the best thing ever to give. I want to do a blast from the past. Do you remember that day when God saved you by his grace? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel of truth? And God opened your eyes and you responded to God's amazing grace and love. What did you understand? What did you experience? And how has that changed your life? Can you remember it? That freedom that you experienced going, wow. God knows every single thing about me. He wants to save me. And he still wants to be with me. And through Jesus, through that death on the cross that we celebrate each week, I'm made completely new. And God sees me in Christ as if I'd never sinned. And as if I'd always obeyed perfectly, just like Jesus. Can you grasp just a little bit of that? That is a radical and amazing gospel. And as you locate that in your life, you remember that in your story, that is the Jesus life, the biblical Jesus life that we have to share with others. And more than a few bucks, that can change people's lives forever. So when we talk about need, often we go, oh yeah, it's Jesus plus a good meal. It's Jesus plus my comfort. It's Jesus plus something else. But I'd like to say to you this morning that Jesus plus nothing is everything. Because if you've got Jesus, you have everything you need. Don't we have verses in the Bible that say, God will provide all your needs according to his riches in glory. If you've got Jesus, then you've got enough. As we seek first his kingdom and his justice, his righteousness, 
then God will be in charge of everything else. And I promised that I would tell you how you can receive this eternal life, this real life, this real satisfaction, these real answers to your needs. These needs are met in Jesus. I'm going to steal one verse from the next section. Because as Peter expounds what is happening and points to the Savior and actually points back to the Old Testament and points forward to what God is doing in Christ, he says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Those times of refreshing that you and I need come from Jesus. There is repentance needed. That repentance is the Greek word metanoia, to do a complete change, like a a U-turn. But it also has a second part of that meaning that means change allegiance. And I love that because... I no longer run my own life, but Jesus runs it. I'm no no longer my own king, my own boss, Jesus is. And so my life is turned around, but I change and I now belong to him. And my sins are washed away, wiped out. And times of refreshing come from the Lord. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to receive Jesus, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God invites you this morning to a new relationship with him as a child of God. One who has access to him. The creator God, as we saw with, with in the communion time, that is the eternal God that has no beginning, that has no end. The God who created everything wants a relationship with you this morning and wants to feel your every need. So when you place your faith in Jesus, he changes everything. And you can come to Jesus today. He's already opened the door. He's done everything. He set the table and says, come. And we deposit our faith in him, believing that he is the son of God, the living Christ. And we say, okay, I repent. I'm going to leave my old life behind and I want a new life in you, Jesus. So God visits this guy on this day and changes his life and that leads to joyful testimony. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly this man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what God, at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Real change comes from Jesus. Jesus transforms everything. This guy did have a need. But his real need was an encounter with Jesus. Jesus transforms our heart, our identity, our body, our mind, and gives hope and a new destiny. And what happened in this guy's life? Through the power of Jesus, he went from being an outcast to having the ability to enter into the temple courts. He went from being someone who could not, someone who had the opportunity to walk. This guy was transformed, not just his body. He went from lame to walking. But do you see what happened? He went from being 
a beggar, to someone who is leaping and jumping. And what was he doing? Check the scriptures. Praising God. He connected the physical healing with the hand that provided it. He didn't just go, hey, thanks, Pete. That was great. He's praising God. Because Peter connected it, and this lame guy connected that his healing came from the hand of Jesus. This healing came from the hand of God. The whole design of this whole scene is to give glory to God and connect people with Jesus. The miracle points to an eternal hope. And for those who had eyes to eyes to see and ears to hear, this was a sign that pointed to the presence of the Messiah, of the Messianic age. Check out what it says in Isaiah 35, verse 6. This whole chapter, I would love to read it all, but I don't have time. But this whole chapter is a Messianic chapter. And then it says, Then will the lame leap like a deer. This guy is jumping. He's going, Wow! And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So this whole chapter points to the Messiah, this time where God would send the promised one, pointing to God's deliverance and his redemption in Jesus and looking forth to the full future redemption and restoration. This guy is experiencing God's salvation tangibly and he is happy. Has God done something in your life? Has God changed and transformed your life? What does that produce in you? Does that produce joy, happiness? What does that look like in your life? This guy is literally out of his skin. Going, wow, God is so amazing. He has changed everything about me. So he has a new life that impacts others. This new life that was brought about by Jesus' name started impacting others. This now healed beggar started leaping, jumping and praising God and people started to notice it. I was actually reading some of the study notes and, and commentaries that I was as I was preparing this message and this word for jumping, the Greek word there, just appears this time and it appears in this Isaiah passage and it's this, wow, explosion of joy. And people around him recognize him. Check what it says. As the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, God beautiful, And what happened? They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There was an evident, real before and after in this guy's life. And everyone took notice. There's, I'm showing my age here, but like, do you remember those extreme makeover shows? There's like 500 of them. I've seen some on Aussie TV. Like, they come in, I, I saw someone the other night and they were like celebrating because they'd renovated two rooms in their house and their property value had gone up $190,000 and they were really happy. But there was a before and after, right? We love those shows. They're like, wow, this place is a dump and wow, it looks really nice now. How has Jesus changed your life? Have you got like a photo in your head of your before and after? Does your family go, ah, your name was, and now you're like this. What happened there? Like, what's going on? Do others notice what God has done in your life? Is there an evidence in your life of what God has done? Can you tell the story of Jesus from your life? That's kind of a pretty critical part of us being able to share our faith. 
Say, my life was like this. But God, by his grace, did this. And now my life is different. It's new. And how does this event impact the community? People are recognizing this blind, be- uh, sorry, this lame beggar being transformed into a guy who's praising God. But the community is impacted by this. It's not just a unique little private event. This is public. What happens? I'd, I'd like to suggest three things. One, God is glorified. People are like, wow, God is doing something here. Secondly, others hear about Jesus. This guy is praising God and then everyone starts to run and go, wow, something big is happening here. And they go, what happened? Jesus of Nazareth healed me. And I love this because what's going to happen in the word is Peter's going to go, it wasn't us, it was Jesus. And people want to know, experience and see what God has done. So people recognized the change and were filled with wonder and amazement. And verse 11 says, everyone came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. So in Mexico, we have a word called chismoso. And we see this all the time when there's an accident on the highway. There could just be something, anything happening and everyone will slow down and look around. I think we call it rubbernecking or something like that in Australia. Um, Everyone is like, there's something going on there. Oh. Jewish people like that too. So everyone's going, there's something pretty amazing going on here. What's going on? Hey, Juan, come here. What's going on? Ah, Juan is Spanish for John. (laughs) That happens to me sometimes. But at least all my notes are in English today. So (laughs) I had that the other week. But you know what? Transformed lives transform lives. When your life is transformed by Jesus, you can speak and say, hey, this is what Jesus did in my life. He can do it in your life too. When people see something real and tangible, as as Pat shared, an overflow of Jesus in us and in our lives, they'll go, I want that. And this miracle is setting the scene for the word. Peter is about to preach Jesus. And you'll see that in coming weeks. But miraculous signs always point to the gospel of Jesus. It's not about a show. It's all about eternity. So we've seen this in Mexico. Broken families, financial hardship, crisis pregnancies, single moms, abuse, anxiety, depression. We've got all that in Mexico. You guys have got all that here. And we have a God who speaks to real needs. And what we're doing in Mexico is the same thing that we need to do here. Hold out grace. Bring joyful testimony of Jesus. So I want to just ask as we finish this morning, that we can make this real. You go, that's a great story from Acts 3. Praise God. But I would love for this to be a story that God's Spirit takes and that we can walk out of here and go, wow, God has spoken to me this morning. I've experienced God's grace, but I want to go out and share that with others. We're on Mission Sunday, right? It's not all about Missions abroad, but mission starts, like Pat said, here, here, and then over there. 
So we've seen needs that point to real deep needs. Difficult stuff. There are a bunch of people in Melbourne that I've even met during my time here and our time here that have real difficult needs, like messy stuff, you know? But we've seen how deep needs are an opportunity for Jesus to bring hope through the gospel. We've connected with the grace shown to a lame beggar that completely transformed his life on all levels. And we've seen how this miracle impacted the community such that others were attracted to hear more and find out what happened. What needs are around you in your community? I don't know. We drove in here along... I can't remember the name of the road. But they're renovating the the train station. Hey, there's like even stuff going on there. Like, what are the workers doing? What are their needs? Are they paying a bunch on tuck tuck shop? I don't know. What would it mean to connect with some workers? Maybe some families? I don't know. What your situation, your context, you guys are the experts on that. But what needs are around you in your community? And I want to be really careful to say this does not mean that we just preach the gospel and don't help anyone. God, in Christ, transformed this guy's life in a tangible way. So we asked about that question that Christianity has been, do we help people with their needs? Do we share the gospel? Do we do both? In Mercy Ministry in Mexico, something that I've been responsible for in our local church, we've struggled with that. But we want to share the gospel of Christ accompanied by tangible demonstration of his love. People connect with real service. And Jesus demonstrated that to us. But we don't want to just do real service without the gospel. Because we could get some really changed people on a really temporal basis. We want to connect them with the eternal gospel of Christ. So I want to just ask you, How can you meet needs in the name of Jesus, pointing to his gospel? Can others see Jesus in your life through your testimony, that before and after? Because Jesus, when he was chatting with a multitude, in Matthew 5 said, In the same way, let your light shine before men or others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It happened to a lame beggar. I pray that it's happened in your life. And if that's not a reality for you, if you haven't had that encounter with Jesus, I'd invite you this morning. If you're watching online, just right where you are, God is saying, hey, I want to restore you. Your deepest need is for an eternal restoration. Not just a temporary renovation of your house. Just not a band-aid quick fix. I want to change your life forever inviting you to an internal relationship with the Creator God through Jesus Christ. And you can just say, hey God, I just realized that I've been distant from you. I haven't really taken you into account. I have sinned against you. I've gone my own way. And today I want to repent. I want to come back. And I need Jesus to meet my deepest needs. I'm hurting. I've got all of this stuff in my life and I want to give it to you. And I want to ask that you would be my Lord and Savior today. I want to invite you to be the Lord of my life. My King. The one who guides everything in my life. And I want to ask you to save me. Because what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to ask that you would guide my life from here into eternity. As I now 
place my faith in you. And if you prayed that, praise God. That's the first step in a new relationship with Jesus. He does that work of saving. And if you're walking with him, then point to the God that changes your life. So Australia might be comfortable, but people, in a general sense, have that unsatisfaction, insatisfaction. And as we point to a God who transforms, truly satisfies, and gives real eternal life, may we see others come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ from Monty to the ends of the earth. Can I pray with you guys? Lord, wow, you are an amazing God who saves. You're an amazing God who transforms by your grace so that we can give glory and honour to you. And Lord, this morning I want to ask if there's someone who hasn't had that relationship with you restored through Jesus, that they may respond to you in faith and enjoy that amazing transformation that only Jesus can bring. And Lord, for those of us who are in Christ, wake us up, Lord. Fill us with that joy of our salvation so that it may be evident that there is a before and after in our lives and that others may come to know the saving grace of Jesus through transformed lives that transform lives. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, I thank you for this church. I want to pray your blessing and your guidance upon everyone in this church, that we may go out of here and connect with people in our communities, in our daily circles, and that we may hold out Jesus, the eternal Saviour in a world full of real needs. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.